Andy's funny. Time for the show. We live in a divided world, divided religiously, politically, and economically. Oftentimes in our world, we want to run away from tough conversations that divide us about grief, pain, and loss. We want to avoid topics like shame, guilt, and pride. We'd rather escape to our phones instead of engaging in real conversations. I know this because I do this. So I created the Winter Faith Podcast. The Winter Faith Podcast is focused on creating conversations to promote spiritual and emotional growth through faith, apathy, and everything in between. So let's talk to each other. Yet more importantly, let's listen to each other. Let's continue the conversation. My name is Andy, and I have Winter Faith. Let's get into it. Hello, welcome to the Winter Faith Podcast. I am grateful that you are tuning in today. We have a great show today because we are going to be talking to my good friend, Matt Carter. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation slash interview. Matt is a person that I look up to. I've looked up to him for several years now. He's helped me process my faith during difficult times. He's Help me learn and grow during times of intentional sin in my life. And he's also taught me how to be a better father and be a better husband and a better friend and also helped me along my journey of just uh, ministry. So really grateful for my friend, Matt Carter. I hope you guys enjoy this. Always had like a very natural, fun friendship. Like I get a lot of encouragement out of our talks feel like you have a lot of wisdom but you think you don't have a lot of wisdom which means you have more wisdom in my eyes and like you're a very I feel like you're a very good friend and like maybe that's too simplistic but I think there's just something so valuable about this is like a stable steady friend that I can talk to about marriage that I can talk to about work I can talk about my different opinions on stuff. And, um, I don't know. So I guess I consider you a a good friend. And one of the things I had wanted to ask is like, okay, how, like, how do you be a good friend? Like, what is that? What is that all about? That's like, you're lobbing me the, uh, not lobbing me the fat pitcher, throwing the, uh, slider that's cutting away as I swing and flail at the pitch, but we'll see. I'll give it a shot. You know, I think there's not there's not a one-size-fits-all answer to that. There are some people who um, have a few friends, and those friends are very deep. Those friendships are very deep. And then there are other people who tend to have a lot of friends, and they can be deep or they can not be deep. And I'm the kind of person, I know a lot of people. I have a lot of friends but I have a lot of friends who are spread out all over the world. And so sometimes I don't think I'm a very good friend because I invest in the people who are nearby. I invest in the people that I see. I had this one friend that we were getting together every week. We were having coffee every week and then he moved away. Um, (laughs) Yes, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I really miss those times of, of uh, our, our weekly coffee times down at Avenue Coffee. Um, is that a promo spot there? I don't know if uh, we can. Yeah, they can give us money. Sure. <laughs> I, I miss those times, but I feel like I haven't been as good a friend in terms of following up and, and uh, maintaining the, the closeness that we, that we had then. But on the other hand, when we do talk, and usually I have to confess it's you who usually uh, reaches out to me um, because you're the other kind of friend. You're not the kind that loves the one you're with. Um, but uh, that's when, right. I don't when, love the people I'm with. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can back out of that. Um, you're the one who usually. Uh, uh, reaches out and and I feel like we pick up right where we left off. It's it's not um, it's not that our friendship has gone away um, or diminished. It's just that we don't have the the time that we that we that we usually have. What makes a good friend? Some people it's it's that we're always together. That that uh, person who maybe has a few friends that are really deep. For other people, it, it's I think having those relationships that that um, are deep and meaningful, and maybe they're deeper and more meaningful in one season of life than another. But because of that foundation that's laid, whenever we're together, we can we can uh, continue to build on that friendship. I mm -hmm. think being a good friend is being trustworthy, uh, somebody I can share with. Uh, whether it's uh, things like confessing sin or or whether it's um, asking for help in the challenges of life or just, you know, hey, I, I saw this thing and it made me think of you. Um, I, even though I'm a bad friend to people who are far away, sometimes I will see something and I'll, uh, I'll send you a text saying, hey, I saw this and it made me think of you um, because, you know, you're – People are there in my heart, even if they're not in my mind all the time. And so, um, it's it's a that's a that's a hard question to answer. Well, and I guess I think about I think about you when it comes to that because of you talk about you know seasons of life that are challenging. There was a time in my life where I was in a period I would say of intentional sin, and my friend, our friend, um, Jonathan. I was talking to him and he's like, you know, I think we need to bring somebody else in this conversation. So we sat down in your office and, and just basically talked. And I felt like it was very healing for me because I feel like, you know, I can't, I don't know how much you remember, or even how much I remember exactly what was said, but it was just this idea of like, Hey, you can, you can talk about life. You can talk about struggles. And I feel like what I took away from it was you kind of, asking me, well, like, how connected to God are you? I feel like there is something you are getting at, like, when you're in a period of life where you feel so distant from God, then what are you doing about it? And I don't even know if that's what you said, but that's what stuck. <laughs> that's what stuck to me from that. And so when I go through, you know, challenging things in my life, I, I think of that conversation and my talking about, you know, seasons, I call my podcast winter faith, because I think there's periods of, of uh, winter seasons, which are dark and cold and dead. And that's how our faith can feel sometimes. Have you had seasons like that in your life? Absolutely. Thinking about my faith journey, it, it, uh, 
I know you talk about winter faith and winter Christians. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think I tend to be a spring Christian. Um, <laughs> okay. Tend, and by that, I mean, I tend to be pretty optimistic. Uh, mm-hmm. Just the way God made me, I'm a pretty optimistic person. And um, so there are times in life when, when it seems to me that, that God just blesses me with something. And I know it's not something I prayed about, although I should have prayed about it. It's not something that I thought much about, although I should have thought about it. It's as though God says, okay, um, this is what you need. Even though you haven't asked, I'm going to, I'm going to give this to you. Um, and so I, I kind of have an optimistic, um, perhaps naive, uh, mm-hmm. uh, faith in, in that sense. But I have gone through difficult times, um, in fact, when we first met, I was still coming out of a, a difficult season. Uh, as, as you know, we I was in campus ministry for about 15 years. And, and uh, toward the end of that time, we, we planted a church uh, with a goal of reaching out to a, a campus community, planted a church in, in a college town. And right after that happened was when the economy went down the toilet. We had funding that that had been promised that never showed up. We never got fully funded, and we really struggled for a couple of years and um, with the church. And then we reached a point where uh, everybody agreed this isn't working. We need to just stop. We struggled for another couple of years after that, trying to figure out uh, what what's up in this, what happened in this whole situation. Um, Felicia, my wife, and I both uh, strongly believe that God called us to that church planting, and at the same time, it didn't work. So we really wrestled with our faith uh, as people who have committed to serving God in ministry, as people who are are trying to listen to God and and trying to follow uh, His guidance. What happened? Why did we misunderstand? Did we not really hear? Uh, were we following our own thoughts and not those of, of God? Um, did God abandon us here? Is there a God? Uh, you know, these are the, the questions that we were asking. And um, that was a, a very difficult, uh, very difficult period in, in faith and also in ministry. When, when ministry is your life and your livelihood and you're questioning that, uh, it really does. Uh, bring a lot of things into question and at that time unemployment was through the roof Um, so I'm trying to find a way to put food on the table and support my family Um, and um, at at one point I began looking for ministry jobs and and, uh, wasn't even getting responses much less interviews or or opportunities Uh, so it was a pretty bleak uh, couple of years there um, one of the things that I found really helpful in that time, a couple of things. One is leaning on the faith of others. Um, if you think about the story of the paralyzed man that his his friends haul him around and take him up on the roof and drop him through a hole because they want him to get to Jesus. Um, mm-hmm. In that story, uh, it says that Jesus saw their faith, and and so he healed him. And so we can lean on the faith of others when we're struggling with faith. Um, 
you've like me, you've probably been in a worship gathering where you can't even sing, but others are singing on your behalf. Maybe you feel like you can't even pray, but others are praying. And so I think for me, leaning on the faith of others at that time, I'm just going to keep doing, I'm going to keep acting like I know what I'm doing. I'm going to keep doing this and God will, um, God will be there. God is here, even if I don't know it. And he will be there. And I'm relying on others to sort of help carry me through that spot. One of the other things that was really helpful to me was a minister in a church there that I'd become friends with. Um, and I was, had, they had known me when I came there as a church planter and they followed my story throughout, um, always encouraging. Um, He's, he, uh, I was meeting with this, with this brother and he, one of the things he did that was really meaningful was he, he affirmed my pastoral and ministerial gifts. He, he affirmed, you're not wrong. This, I see this in you. I see God's calling and I see that God has, has equipped you, uh, for the work of ministry. And so don't give up on ministry. And then the second thing is he he um, talked a little bit with me about wilderness experiences, and I have I have uh, passed this this um, wisdom on to others. So I may have given this wisdom to you at some point, but I, I try to always credit credit my friend there. Um, but he said that he had learned a couple of different things about wilderness experiences. Um, and one, and this was really important for me, uh, was it might not be about you. So part of what Felicia and I were doing was trying to figure out what is God trying to teach us in this? What is it, what is it we're supposed to be learning? Um, we can't figure it out. I wish we knew we would, we would agree and move on. Um, but he said, you know, it might not be about you. Second thing he said is, you may never know why you experienced that. And that was pretty challenging. Um, But in retrospect, I don't know if this is what he meant by that, but in retrospect, what I take from that is, you know, that's kind of what faith is all about. But when we walk by faith, we don't know, we don't see, but for some reason, God values faith. And so I may never know why all of those things happen to us in our church plant, but I have to be okay with that. Well, I don't have to, but but I choose to, as a person of faith, uh, trust God and be okay with that. Um, it's a lot easier to say that seven years later <laughs> than it was sure. you know, at that time. Um, but I, I found great comfort in saying, okay, it, I'm not here because I've done something wrong. I'm not here because I haven't paid attention to God and learned whatever it is God's trying to tell me. Um, I don't know why I'm here. And so I just have to trust God that this is where I am right now. I'm where I'm supposed to be. And when I'm supposed to be somewhere else, he'll let me know that. The third thing. Sorry, go ahead. Well, there's just so many things but I, I want to let you say your third thing. Cause you're, you're in, you're in thought there. I'm, I'm, that's right. The, the, you're third going, thing, you're going. 
the third thing he said was that when you're in the wilderness, of course, you don't know, you can look back and see how far you've come, but you don't know how far you have to go. He said, when you're in the wilderness, things can change quickly. And so you may feel like you're in the middle of something and then find out that um, pretty quickly you're, you're, you're come out the other side. Um, and that was, that was my experience to some degree. Um, as you know, I am, I'm the director of admissions at Harding School of Theology. I was talking with a friend uh, in the middle, what I thought was in the middle of the wilderness. And uh, he said to me, have you talked to Dr. Hufford recently? When I was going through a period looking for ministry, uh, he gave me some really good advice. This is on a Friday. I said, I'll call him on Monday. Sunday night, Dr. Hufford called me and said, we have a position at the school we'd like you to apply for. And so I'm in the middle of the wilderness and no end in sight. And I get this call saying, hey, would you be interested in this? And so the whole process wasn't quick, but the end happened unexpectedly and, uh, and in a hurry. In all of my ministry roles, and this is not unique to me, but it's not, I'm not saying this is the stereotypical way it should be for everybody, but in all of the ministry roles I've had, God has made it really clear, this is where I want you to be. Um, this is what I want you to do. I, I've, I have always had a really strong sense of calling to a particular work. And so in this case, I am in the wilderness. I'm not getting responses. Um, I had one phone interview and it was a, during that whole period and it was a church that I knew wasn't a good fit. The preacher that I was talking with knew it wasn't a good fit, but he said, Hey, let's interview anyway. Um, and so, uh, I, basically I was trying to, to force something kind of out of desperation there. Um, but in, in the midst of all this, when, when change came, it, it came quickly. It did, it did not change my emotional state, my spiritual state. That didn't all change quickly. Um, I, there was a lot of trauma associated with our experience that took a while to, to work through. But in terms of this is my life situation, it changed, uh, it changed pretty quickly. So those are my, my three thoughts about wilderness experiences from my friend. It may not be about you. You may never know why, and it can change quickly. Discuss. Mm. <laughs> man, that was great, Matt. That's so, wow. There's so many places to go with that. That's really good. I, I just want to point out, like, it's, it's similar to what I said when we first started talking. There's these conversations that really stick with you. Yes. You've had conversations with close friends that really stick with you. I've had conversations with close friends. You, you know, you being one of them where, yeah, I really remember. I'm, I don't know for you, but for me, I even remember where I was when I got a phone call about a job offer that kind of changed mm -hmm. my life. Yeah. I was, I was, uh, you know, you talk about the phone call from Dr. Hufford mm -hmm. on that Sunday night. I remember I was in a wilderness uh, period looking for work in ministry after graduating with my MDiv, but 
feeling like God still wanted me to be in Memphis. Mm -hmm. I applied, I was working at a bank. I applied for a job and they said, uh, as a hospital chaplain, they said, you can be an unpaid intern, but we don't have anything else. And I was like, well, I want to do something ministry. So I said, yes. Then I'm on, I remember at the corner of Poplar and White Station, very close to that, uh, driving past that Starbucks, Mm -hmm. Poplar and White Station Road and got a phone call from the hospital uh, chaplain supervisor. And she said, hey, would you be willing to take the job for a paid full-time position? And I was like, yes, yes, I would. (laughs) Hallelujah. I remember that. I don't don't know, maybe I'll forget that. But for the time being, I haven't forgot that moment. Mm -hmm. time. So. so, hey, should I give a shout out to my friend that I had that conversation with? Yeah, if you but, want to. Uh, Kendrick, Kendrick Vinar, who is the, uh, the pastor at Grace Church in uh, Chapel Hill, North Carolina. He is the one okay. who affirmed me and, and had that conversation with me. And uh, I'm just really grateful for that for him. Yeah, we can. Uh, yeah, we can. Maybe maybe we'll get him on the show. He's not too far. I could That's I could true. do a live interview with him in person. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think it's good to to name those those people that have influenced us. A lot of the people I interview are people that have influenced me a, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so God puts uh, one of the things I want to go to is you said something to the extent like you've always felt a strong. Um, calling of knowing i i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing Mm -hmm. and that's something that i'm just curious because i i just i don't think i've always felt that i've always been like okay i have like a good feeling i should stay in memphis a good feeling i should move where do you like is that something you develop or is that just something you're you're blessed with <laughs> you just get that and I don't <laughs> yeah I, I've had this conversation with a, with quite a few people because it is um, it's hard to quantify it's hard to define um, it's hard to explain I I think that um, there are a couple of couple of thoughts one is I may not be the brightest bulb in the circuit so God may be saying you know, I want you to know where I want you to be. Um, so that that's that's one possibility. Uh, the other possibility, um, I I think that that um, I think that God just directs me in a in a way that um, where He will make the use of who He created me to be, um, and. I don't know why that would be different for me than for anybody else. Um, but I remember where I was when I experienced a call to ministry. Um, I had graduated. I went to the University of Georgia. I had graduated from Georgia and was in, still involved in campus ministry there as a, as a volunteer. And um, I, we had never... I didn't know anything about campus ministry outside of ours. I didn't realize kind of obvious that people are doing this other places, but it never really occurred to me to wonder about that. And uh, a group of us uh, went to the National Campus Ministry Seminar, uh, which was in uh, 
Baton Rouge at LSU that year. And um, it was at that conference that I just had a really strong sense of God saying, this is what I want you to do. This is, this is what I'm calling you to do. Um, and uh, when I was looking at schools to go to for graduate, the preacher there said, uh, son, you need a master's degree. And I didn't know any better. I said, okay. Um, <laughs> and so when I was looking at schools, uh, I chose uh, Harding School of Theology because it's here in Memphis, and I knew that I'd be able to work at the University of Memphis. I worked with a campus minister who had 30 years experience, so uh, he uh, learned so much uh, during the four years that I worked in the campus ministry here. Um, and uh, when I went to Kansas State from there, um, at that interview, when I went out and interviewed, it was just, it was really clear that this was, this is where we needed to be, uh, both from the church's perspective and my perspective, um, and, um, and Felicia, my wife's perspective. And as I was talking with, with the campus minister's wife there in Memphis that I've been working with, she said, I want you to remember, write down that this is where God wants you to be. Because when times get tough, when things aren't going great, you need to remember why you're here. And I just found that, I found that to be really helpful um, to know why I'm, why I'm there. Um, and moving into church planting, that was, uh, again, a, a real strong sense of calling. I was very involved in the National uh, Campus Ministers Seminar in that, in that organization. And um, we, there was a growing conviction among several of us, but particularly for me, that we need to be planting campus ministries. There are too many large campuses where there is not a, a Church of Christ campus ministry. And this was not a thought of God's not there unless the Church of Christ campus ministry is there, right. but uh, a feeling that we as a group have something to offer and we can do better. And so there were a couple of years of that conversation uh, during which time I became more and more convicted that and I kept saying, somebody should go do this. Somebody should go do this. Um, as I reflected on it, I began to think, you know, I'm, I'm a campus minister with experience. I have some things to offer. We've built up a really good campus ministry here at Kansas State. Somebody else can come and, and fill this slot that might not be able to go start something. And so that was what led us down that path. Hmm. Um, coming to work here at the School of Theology when every other door is closed and one is open wide, you know, again, mm -hmm. I may not be the brightest bulb in the circuit, but uh, I can walk through that door, um, <laughs> which has really helped me in this role because it's not a job I ever would have thought about. It's not a role I ever considered. And if I were still in a great campus ministry, I wouldn't have considered it. But um, God made it clear this is where I'm supposed to be. And so I'm, that has really helped um, because it is a different role. It is, a, you know, an adjustment to a different way of thinking and a different. Uh, I, I miss the daily church ministry life. Um, so it is it is different. But. Um, because God brought me here, it's been easier to say, okay, this is where I'm supposed to be. Let me figure out how to do this and how to do it well. Um, a lot of my campus ministry experience prepared me 
for this role in terms of, of mentoring uh, young ministers and talking to people about what is God's call in your life. Um, my work in church planting in terms of, of uh, fundraising and those kinds of things, but also uh, those years in the wilderness where I did everything from barista to selling cell phones to getting an insurance license uh, to web design. Uh, the, my web design uh, experience prepared me to, to help the website here. Uh, my insurance experience helped me to, you know, making a couple of hundred calls a day um, prepared me. I don't, I don't make that many now, but, but it yeah. prepared me uh, to be able to cold call people and, and, and uh, know how to have a phone presence. So all of those things um, helped me, helped equipped me to, uh, to take this role here. Um, I don't know if I actually answered your question, but that's what I, I think. Can, no, I, I, I think, I think so. I don't remember what, what you know, it's just, I don't remember. Talking for about sure, call, just talking about journey. calling. Yeah, yeah. Calling, calling and that journey. But I do think you pointed out, and this is, I mean, we have this in common too. You know, we want to be in ministry. I think we maybe, I don't know for sh- for sure for you, but like we thought we'd maybe end up, going to Harding and working at a church or something mm-hmm. you know, kind mm-hmm. of like that. And then we both have done barista stuff. We both have done, mm-hmm. you know, I did banking, you did insurance, you sold, um, cell, you know, cell, phone. cell phones and web design. I did UPS and selling shoes. <laughs> My first job <laughs> in Memphis was working at breakaway running. Uh-huh. Uh, breakaway uh-huh. running is still there. And, and doing yes, that. it is. And so My that was my first frequent. job. My wife's a frequent customer. Yeah, that's a great, <laughs> great company. I, I loved working uh, there. And so, and then my work as a hospital chaplain, my work as campus minister, now I'm doing homeless uh, or, you know, working with men, basically one-on-one mentoring, kind of in some ways similar to what you do, where you're working a lot with men, not mm-hmm. I work with all men, you don't work with all men, but mm-hmm. um, it's about that how God uses like, you know, I deal with guys who go through grief. I deal with guys who go through um, addiction issues and that's all stuff that, that God has used in my own life. And it's, it's really remarkable to me that, Hey, whatever you're doing, God, you know, just encourage people out there, whatever you're doing, you may not think it's doing much to add to your resume or your life experience, but it, God can use, you know, whatever, whatever you're doing, God can use. Absolutely. And if you can view what you're doing as equipping for ministry and view what you're doing as ministry, um, you know, when I was, when I was, uh, had my insurance license, I was selling Medicare supplement insurance. I was able to bless elderly people and um, help them make sure that their needs were being met. Um, When I was selling cell phones, um, I, I tried to view that as a ministry. It was in a very, very unchristian environment. And sure. I tried to bring the grace of God to that, to that, uh, to that environment. Um, I tried to be a voice of peace and a voice of, of uh, reconciliation and healing and, uh, and a uh, counterbalance to extreme vulgarity. <laughs> sure. Counter. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of jobs where I was yes. definitely the least vulgar person. 
<laughs> yes. For sure. The bar is for pretty sure. low sometimes. <laughs> yes. yes, it is. Uh, yes, it is. Um, I guess switching gears a little bit, but, you know, we've talked about career and, and calling. How, you know, you're going through that stuff. How does that affect, like, raising your, your kids and, and your marriage? Mm. You know, was, I guess, did that prepare you for kind of the, the ups and downs of marriage and parenting, just going through that as a career? This is a really tough question. Um, yeah. Okay. There are a yeah. couple. There are there are a couple of of aspects to it. Of course, we had kids during this. Uh, right. We already had kids during this the whole, whole time. Um, and so the whole time we, uh, one of our our oldest was born while I was a student in my master's work here, and then our other two were born while we were at K State, mm-hmm. and uh, moving them from. Well, first of all, Felicia and I were both uh, convicted about the need to do this church plant. I assumed that she would not be on board, so I kind of had an out. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then, uh, when I mentioned it to her, she had actually come to that conclusion from a different perspective. Wow. Um, and so she was like, "Yes, we should do this." I'm like, "Oh man, now I got to do it. <laughs> now I got to do it." <laughs> So that's from um, Kansas, from moving from Kansas to North Carolina. Yes. yeah, big move. It is. And at that time, our, our kids were, I think, six, eight, and 10 when we made the move. And mm-hmm. so all they had known, we'd been in Kansas for nine years. So all they had known uh, was Kansas. Um, I will say that moving to North Carolina put us both closer to our parents um, so there was that aspect uh, to it that, you know, hey, kids, you'll get to see your grandparents more. <laughs> so that was that was good. But it was it was right. pretty, pretty traumatic for them to be uprooted and to move. Um, moving to North Carolina was really good for our kids. Um, it ended up being very good for them in, in the sense that they. Um, it was a much more diverse area and so they learned how to uh, be friends with people from a pretty pretty broad uh, type of background Um, for example when I was coaching my oldest son's 12 year old little league team uh, we had a couple of Israeli kids we had a Japanese kid we had an Irish kid we had a Pakistani kid um, probably some others as well um, so it was just a, a very, a very diverse international group. And among the Americans, we had Caucasian, African-American. Um, so, uh, that was not how it was in my kids' baseball teams in Kansas. Um, sure. and so, uh, not a knock on Kansas. That's just how it, how it was. But we were happy that our kids got, got to know a lot of different people and engage in, in different cultures, those types of things. Um, and so they, they grew to love North Carolina and moving from Memphis, from North Carolina to Memphis was even more traumatic. At this point, um, you know, they're, they're uh, 16, 14, 12, uh, somewhere around in there. And so that was a real, a real, uh, a real challenge. Um, and, and something that was pretty painful 
again. Um, at my uh, my oldest really loves North Carolina, but he he connected and made friends in Memphis. Uh, the younger two, um, I I think connected pretty well. And and uh, I was talking with with my daughter um, last night or night before, and um, what she remembers most about North Carolina is those last two years where we were really struggling to make ends meet. Um, we, uh, when we moved to North Carolina, we were debt free and had money in the bank. Uh, when we left, we had spent everything that we had church planting and had no, not just no money, but we had acquired debt. Mm. And, um, her memory of that is that we were really poor when we were in Chapel Hill. Um, and so she doesn't necessarily have fond memories of, of, of that in terms of remembering the other, the earlier time. She remembers her friends, still stays in touch with, with friends from there, but doesn't really have the fond memories that some of the rest of us do hmm. of our, of our time there. Um, what we, what we wanted our kids to, what we want our kids to have gleaned from that is that we were willing to follow God's leading no matter what. And we want them to have seen their parents live out their faith, uh, not just have a statement of faith, but actually take risks uh, for the faith. And um, we hope that, that they have seen God's goodness in this. Um, we fear that they saw the opposite, that they... Uh, saw their parents take a risk for their faith and, and the, you know, the, not that it bombed, I guess you could say it bombed, but that, that they took a risk for their faith and, and there was nothing there. Um, mm -hmm. So that's, that is really something that we, we wrestle with. Um, in conversations with our kids, we think they got the good part of it, but you know, you never really know. Um, and so we yeah. do, we do worry about that. Um, in terms of, of Felicia and me, um, they were really difficult times in terms of faith, in terms of, of finances, in terms of, of child raising. Um, it seems that over the, those especially the difficult two or three years. Um, and even the first year we were here, that was still a part of trying to come out of this wilderness. Um, it seemed like we were never both totally down at the same time. Um, and so when one of us was down, the other one could lift, lift up and then when when that person was up, the other one was down. So we were lifting each other up. Mm -hmm. um, at times, it seemed like marriage was the only good thing <laughs> in our <laughs> lives. Um, you know, that's a pretty big thing, though. That's a pretty. It is. I mean, it is. I think that um, would keep me going if everything else was not going well. If my marriage was going well. I, at one point, I was in a Bible study with a couple of other guys, and we were. 
I won't name the book because I know some people love this book. But basically, <laughs> the book said uh, marriage isn't supposed to be happy and fulfilled. It's it's supposed to make you a better person. And the way this book is written, it's like marriage really stinks, but it's supposed to make you more like God. And all three of us were saying, huh. you know, um, marriage seems to be the only thing going well in my life right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> Either he's got it wrong or we've got it wrong. Um, but uh, for us, uh, you know, marriage really was kind of a lifesaver um, hmm. during those times. What was it? I think I've asked you this before, but what is it that, you know, not saying you're you go through those challenges. What is it that kind of kept your your marriage that strong point? Can you um, place your finger on what, yeah, what that was? I really like Felicia. <laughs> Good. Yeah. She yeah. is awesome. I love her. I want her to do great in everything. I want what is best for her and everything. And uh, she is my absolute best friend. Mm. And um, if you get to live with somebody that you feel that way about, um what's not to be lifted up and encouraged by that um that's awesome yeah how long have you guys been married uh 24 years 24 years we're actually coming up on our our 25th anniversary this year um and wow. in, in august so um yeah that's great so you've always you know you've always had the strong okay, we're going to do what God's calling us to do. And your, you know, your, your whole family has worked through these transitions, the ups mm -hmm. and downs of those transitions. Has there, have you received a lot of, I guess, spiritual encouragement from seeing your kids go through, you know, where they are today? Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, as a parent, as a dad, you always wonder, you know, maybe I remember times that I've disciplined them or times that I've, I've had uh, painful conversations with them. Um, right. And uh, so you, um, you wonder, you know, how does this, how, how do they perceive me? Um, I, I love them dearly. Um, how do they perceive me in this? And so um they're at that stage in life now. Um, they're 22, 20, and 18. Um, so my youngest is 18 and graduating from high school in a week and a half. Um, and so we're, we're at that stage where, to some degree, they're becoming adult friends. Um, I mean, I'll always be their dad, but uh, right. interacting with them in, in, uh, in different ways. My oldest is graduating from college. And so, um, you know, we're excited to see what the next adventure is for him. It is such a pleasure to be able to have adult conversations with them and, and to, uh, to, become, to become friends with them to some degree. Um, I know you're a young dad and about to be a, a new dad. Yeah, we're... Uh, due date is about a month from our son being born. So we're getting close. Awesome. Awesome. I would say 
as a dad, being a dad is a spiritual experience that does help you understand God's love, but it also opens up maybe emotional parts of yourself that have never been opened up before that you didn't know were there. Um, I would also say that every stage of life has great blessings and great challenges. Mm. And so um, for us, we've tried to enjoy the things about each age as it, as they happen. Um, and, um, you know, understand the challenges of each age as they happen, but, uh, but hold on to the joys of that age. And, mm -hmm. um, as you, as you carry on in life, being able to, um, to completely be blessed by your children, but also be a blessing to them mm -hmm. is a pretty cool thing. So you don't have like 10 easy steps to parenting? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't was, think, yeah. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of, uh, there are a lot of pieces of advice out there. There are a lot of aphorisms or, or pithy statements. Um, most of them are true, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I was talking with somebody recently and it, I was reminded of, of what's the saying that the, uh, the days go by slowly, but the years go by quickly. Sure. Yeah. You know, when you have a young child, uh, an infant that's crying, that yeah. those two hours may, may seem like they last a lifetime and then you blink and they're not an infant anymore. Uh, even, even, you know, six months makes a huge difference in their life. Uh, so it's definitely true that, that the days can really, really drag on and uh -huh. then turn around and they're 22, 20, and 18. How did we get here? Because I'm still young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't changed. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. I mean, because that. Truth there. And in every age, your job as a dad is to help establish boundaries, mm -hmm. to help provide safety, mm -hmm. uh, and to help, um, to help model God. And what that looks like is different with an infant than a tweenie or a teenager or, or an adult. Right. So your job is still to help to help with that. Of course, the older they get, the looser those boundaries become. But if I think if I've done my job well throughout, um, that 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 will that will lead to raising a healthy and independent adult. Mm -hmm. um, and even if I haven't done my job great, God and his mercy and wisdom can still uh, take my feeble efforts and turn them into, into a, a great adult child. Now for a quick commercial break. Go through stuff. Nobody exactly knows what's going on or what's going to happen but you yeah. you're you're working with god god has formed and shaped me mm -hmm. through the ups and downs of life and wilderness and spirits mm -hmm. of life so that's going to happen to my daughter and, and my son yeah. and it's probably yeah. not going to be fun to watch all the time no but, that's true but you know are there just um one like one or two things that stand out with 
like how much joy it is to, to be a dad? Absolutely. Uh-huh. And I will say that you will see your, your kids go through really difficult times um, yeah. that you want to help and you can't really do anything about, uh, whether it's physical issues or, or those kinds of things. Um, I, thinking back on, on my kids, you know, from those first hugs and kisses as, as infants and, and, uh, as they're learning who you are and, and, uh, loving being with you, um, you know, when you, when they're little and you, um, come home and they're just so excited to see you and those kinds of things are just, Mm -hmm. those are, those are pretty awesome things. Yeah. Um, but also uh, seeing my kids get baptized. Uh, I baptized two of them, um, but being able to participate in that and, and their statement of faith um, is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, of course, uh, my youngest is graduating from high school, so being you know those big milestones sure. are are pretty awesome as well. Um, and uh, you know, at, at times. Um, hearing them testify to you're a good dad or, or even more than that, you're a good man. Um, those, that's just really, really meaningful and impactful. I'm, I'm trying to preserve my kids anonymity and all of these things. Oh no, yeah, no. So, so, uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I don't know about this whole duct tape arm hair thing. I'm not, I'm not ratting out my kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can edit stuff. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, she's not going to listen to this. Who are we kidding? Neither are my kids. <laughs> oh, it is funny. Um, yeah, she, yeah, she, it is fun just seeing your kids, you know, mm-hmm. grow, you know, even if it's, I, I think one of the things that I get to do is in this age of technology, it's like, mm-hmm. You know, I can put her on my first podcast. She can do the intro and that, you mm-hmm. know, that can be there mm-hmm. for the rest of the time. <laughs> it's yes. Crazy. Yes. And she, she likes quoting, she likes quoting herself and listening to herself, you know, um, sing and I record it. She loves mm-hmm. being on the microphone and, you know, it's just, it's fun to see like her excitement, but I've never seen the other side where it's like, you know, the 14 year old girl that just comes home and says nothing to you and see you later. (laughs) I'm going out with my friends. I haven't gone through that stuff yet. So remember Uh, I said there are joys and challenges. (laughs) That's right. Um, man, it's just from my, you know, my time with your family, like I I've loved being with you guys, whether it's been in small group or been in church or just, you know, been at, been at your house having dinner or, uh, helping you guys move <laughs> mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, it's been fun. I do think there's a sense of like joy and like, I can tell you guys have fun and you know, uh, that's good. And, uh, it's so good to, to, when you move to different cities, just, I, I, you know, going to college and moving various times for career stuff, I've had families almost like adopt me and that's so cool. And so I hope, I hope my kids get to experience like what other families are like and how good they are. And it makes you appreciate your own. And I don't know. It's fun. That's fun stuff to talk about. 
Um, just it's to kind of, it's also yeah. great to have folks like you, um, to have you become a part of our family and, and the, mm-hmm. uh, the model you are for the kids. Uh, here's another adult in my life that will listen to me and, and, uh, will talk to me and I, and they are seeing your in small group, they're seeing your spiritual life as well. And so that's, uh, I think that's important as well. Um, it is. I Some of my favorite moments from Memphis and being college graduate young adult in Memphis are when a teacher of mine or a preacher or, you know, I guess you weren't my preacher or teacher technically, <laughs> but you were, you were all those things to me um, that, you know, when I had somebody say, hey, this is my, this is my good friend, Andy. And let's say it's like a I don't know how old he was, five or six year old boy. Hey, this is my friend, Andy. And, um, you know, he's from Wisconsin and he, he likes the Badgers, but you know, we cheer for somebody else. But the number one thing you need to know is that he's a good Christian or he's a good Christian Jesus follower, like something about that's the number one thing, even though he's from another part of the country or cheers for the team. My family doesn't like, I don't know. It always gets me like such a, just like a cool lesson to see a dad teaching a six-year-old with me being in the middle. Mm. It's an incredible experience. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's fun. And I guess that's what like the Christian community should be like different, ages, different families. Um, it's so fun. So just kind of wrap it up here. I know you listen to a lot of podcasts. We've talked about this. I can't even mm-hmm. keep up with how many. Um, my, you know, and you know, this questions, but what are things that are making you laugh? Maybe I'll do just like this week. What has made you laugh or (laughs) in the past, you know, week or so. So, uh, one thing that really makes me laugh is no such thing as a fish podcast. Uh, I think I told you about that one. Yes. Um, they, uh, they're researchers for a British TV show. And each week they podcast some facts that they have come up with, and then they uh, tease each other and, and make a lot of jokes about it. So that, that's a, a pretty funny thing. Back in the day, I used to listen to a lot of comics, uh, comedians, stand-up. Uh, back in the 80s, there was a TV show, An Evening at the Improv. I used to listen to that. I haven't, uh, I haven't so much been into um, stand-up in the last few years as I was back then. So all of my laughter comes from uh, no such thing as a fish. My daughter and I um, watch uh, country gas, country, corner gas together. So uh, check out corner that? gas on Netflix. It is a Canadian oh. sitcom. They're out okay. in the middle of nowhere. And all there is in town is this corner gas station and a diner. And uh, hilarity ensues. Um, okay. So we enjoy watching corner gas together. The nice thing is it's like, you know, 20, 25 minute episodes. So it's not a huge commitment to, uh, to say, Hey, you got time to watch corner gas. And so, uh, that's, that's kind of our, that's our show. That's maybe I haven't laughed enough. You make me laugh. So uh, (laughs) it's fun interacting (laughs) with people, sharing memories. Always good. Yeah. And kids, kids always make us laugh. We do a Friday night pizza and movie and, Mm -hmm. We've been working through the Toy Story movies with our mm-hmm. daughter. 
I can't remember which number we're on now, but, but yeah, it's fun, fun watching stuff with your kids and seeing them laugh always makes me laugh. So. Let me give you one more opportunity to laugh at me. I just okay. discovered yesterday that Captain Marvel and yeah. Captain Marvel Shazam are not the same person. So okay. I wondered why there were two movies out about Captain Marvel at the same time. Mm-hmm. And somebody was explaining the Captain Marvel movie, and I said, now, does she say Shazam? No, 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 she doesn't. (laughs) And so I was explaining when I was a kid in the 70s, there was this Saturday morning show about Captain Marvel. And it was this kid, Billy Batson, and he would say Shazam and turn into Captain Marvel. And apparently they are not the same person. No, not the same person. I went down the... uh, went down the rat hole of Wikipedia learning about the two different Captain Marvels, which just seems odd to me that there would be two different Captain Marvels. Well, you know, it's always good to keep learning, seeing, being able to laugh, <laughs> laugh at yourself about stuff. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, you were trying to end and I just had to throw in Captain Marvel there. So <laughs> That's right. I, I like, I don't know the one you watched Saturday morning, but I do like the new movie that came out. The intro was done by Scarlet Fox. The music you're listening to, Josh Cleveland. And the creator and editor and producer of the Winter Faith podcast, yours truly, Andy Frazier. Well, you did it again. You spent your time listening to my show. You probably could have spent this time playing games or binging Game of Thrones on your phone. But instead, you spent it with me, so I thank you for your time. If you haven't already, downloaded and subscribed to the Winter Faith Podcast on Anchor. They are a sponsor for me, so try to be nice to them. If you haven't already, please leave a review on iTunes with good, bad, or ugly feedback. All feedback is good, no matter what, in my opinion. Express yourself, friends. Also, please consider supporting the show on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. However, I do accept Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, and any other way you want to contribute to the show financially. Okay, my commercials are done. Andy, out.